Heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, without reservation, we stand in your presence this evening, Lord, giving our lives away. That's the least we can offer, and that's all we can offer. We have nothing else to offer, Lord. You paid the price at Calvary. It's all been paid. All of our sins have been paid for. Our lives have been redeemed, and what can we do but give you our lives, O God? Lord, that song resonates within our hearts for many, many reasons, and we thank you for your grace in our lives. And Lord, as we uh, approach the word tonight, Lord, it's not the typing that went on on the computer that matters. It's not the what's written on the pages. It's what the Spirit is speaking to the church that we want to hear this evening. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Give us eyes to see. That we might know the day, the hour we're living in and what it is that you're desiring of us this evening. So just take complete control, Lord, we pray. Bless the speaker, the hearer, for you alone know the secrets of every heart. And you can meet them because you have promised to do so. And you're here to do that. Whether it be here, whether it be watching the service by way of streaming or archiving or whatever it might be. Lord, you're very present to each one that will draw nigh unto you. You will draw nigh unto them. We commit ourselves to you for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, musicians. We'll take our Bibles and turn together to the book of Revelation, chapter 18, this evening. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful uh, opportunity to be in the house of God, Revelation, chapter 18, tonight. Uh, And also, what a wonderful opportunity in this age to have a place to go, a place of refuge, I'll say, from the insanity of the age. We can shut the world on the outside. We can leave all the cares of life behind. We can say we're here in an eternal realm, seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Lift up our souls unto the Lord and say, Lord, have your way tonight. Amen. Amen. That's our desire. Lord, just take complete control. Whatever way you want the service, I, I want that. and I trust you want that. And we want God to have his way this evening. I'd want to read one scripture from Revelation 18 and then we'll turn to Revelation 3. Revelation 18 and verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3 and verse 18 says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. We know that Revelation 3.18 is a part of the message to the Laodicean age, and which is the age that we are living in, though by the opening of the word we have been called into, raised into, and anointed for a bride age. But Brother Branham takes this thought out of Revelation 3 and 18 and, and, 
and quotes, buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. And in the church age book, he says, now these people, these people had plenty of gold, but it was the wrong kind. And we're living in an age where there's plenty of gold. There's plenty of effort that is being uh, 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 given, effort that is being put in towards obtaining that gold. Now, you today have perhaps been at work and you've been laboring for the gold that perishes. We have no choice. It's the gold that pays our mortgage, that pays our rent, that buys our groceries, that puts gas in our vehicles, and, and, it, and it puts us into a rat race in this age. And, and uh, it's really the culmination of this, uh, of Satan's plan that he's had, that he's brought humanity into a type of economy now where we're all in some way, shape, or form putting in an effort to, in order to live, in order to survive, in order to pay our bills. Am I the only one that's paying their bills tonight? <laughs> Amen. We all have bills and we all have expenses that we need to meet. And so Brother Branham says, but this kind of gold is the wrong kind of gold. It was the gold that bought men's lives and destroyed them. It was the gold that warped and twisted human character. For, the for its love was the root of all evil. All right? And, and now, remember, gold or money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And so it's where men desired after have pierced themselves through with many sorrows, etc., etc. And so we, we have to acknowledge that we've come to that age. We've come to that hour where the, the pinnacle, and it doesn't matter whether you're here in North America, whether you travel to third world countries, whether you go over to Europe, whether you go into maybe second world countries like India or other places, everywhere it's the same, the economy is foremost on people's minds. Going, gaining jobs, trying to get ahead, trying to get rich, trying to uh, uh, get an education so that they can get ahead. And so much is being done striving for this kind of gold, but there is a greater gold. And that greater gold is the Christ-like character. And, I, and I, as I was talking to some young brothers last night, I said, you know, how much time are you spending striving for the better gold? Because some of you are being educated, some of you have jobs, some of you want to have families, some of you are married, and, and so on and so forth. And we realize so much effort's being put in our day-to-day -day lives just to gain a paycheck, but there's a greater goal to strive for. Amen? You're with me tonight. Now, Brother Branham immediately goes from there, and he goes to Revelation 18, where we read. So turn back with me to Revelation 18, for, if you would. And he's speaking about this gold, and now he goes to Revelation 18 describing Babylon. And we'll start at verse 1, where he starts. And it says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. All right? For all nations have drunk, not some, all nations have drunk 
of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. All right? But now before we read verse 4, I want you to go back with me now to chapter 17. All right? Chapter 17. And it says, verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. All right, so between 17 and 18, it says nations, it says kings, it says merchants, and it says inhabitants have all partaken of the wine of her fornication. All right? Now, uh, and so if we would read on in 17, we would find out that this is Mystery Babylon, the city that sets on seven hills. We know that it's Rome, and, and we understand that it represents the system that is represented there in Rome called Vatican City and the, and the Catholic Church. All right? So we, we're familiar with that background. Now we go back to verse 18, or chapter 18. Sorry, I'm just laying a foundation for you here. So who has drunk of this wine? The entire earth. Not just governments. Not just kings. Not just merchants. All the inhabitants. All right. And so he says now, And I heard another voice from heaven, verse 4, saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partaker of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. All right? Now, and then it describes the judgment here. Uh, Well, maybe we'll just read it. Reward her even as she rewarded you double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. Now, it says, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. And then it goes into all sorts of merchandise, of gold, silver, etc., down on to verse 13. And it ends up at the end of verse 13, and the souls of men. All right, so they're trading in all sorts of manner of merchandise, but they're not satisfied with just merchandise. They're making money of the souls of men. All right, they are now making money off of, I'll just say, the manipulation of the human race. And the, 
and the fruits, it says that thy soul lustest after are departed from thee, and all things which are dainty and good are, are goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Now, Brother Branham picks this up, and he says, this is exactly the organized churches of the last days. For it says in verse 4, come out of her, my people. And then he makes this statement, the rapture has not yet taken place. A lot of times we think all of these things are going to be after the rapture. They're not all going to be after the rapture. In the midst of this, it's commissioned to her, be careful now, come out of her, because these plagues are going to befall her. And I want to say this morning, that, or this evening rather, that we are in the midst of what we see as plagues happening in this generation because of this Babylon, mystery Babylon. And the, we are living in a society, and just bear with me as I lay this out for you, we are, we are living in a society that is an economics of lust. It's the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, all turned into a money-making scheme. All because of the love of money and every evil thing, every vice is turned into a money-making scheme because of the love of money, which is the root of all evil. And so it seems like there isn't any more limitations anymore. Anything, they're even legalizing different drugs now and they're legalizing things that used to be totally illegal, used to be against society, but now they're making it legal to make money on it. The governments want their share of the money and uh, they want their share of the taxes out of their... They want to legalize marijuana in Canada. I think that's coming this year. I don't know. Uh, They've legalized it somewhere in the United States. Some of the places that you people live, the marijuana is, is legal. Why are they doing that? Because they can't stop it. And so they want to be able to make money out of it. And they want to be able to, to uh, profit from us. And, and, but it says now these plagues come in one day. And that phrase one day is a statement in the scripture that doesn't necessarily mean literally one day, one 24-hour period, or a certain day. It is a biblical expression of suddenness, like the day you eat thereof, the day you'll die. All right? In, a, in the book of Isaiah, it, it says, it, he, Isaiah uses the phrase in that day 45 times. And so we find even Jesus saying himself, at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, my Father in me, I and you and you and me. And that's not necessarily a one day revelation. It's speaking of the day of the Son of Man. So shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. So even John, Jesus says, he says, these things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh. When I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name. And I say unto you, I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. Amen. There's a certain day. You're living in that day. Don't look for the plagues to start to fall. They've already started. All right. They're already here. Will we see all of them? No, I don't believe we'll see all of them. We won't certainly see the physical destruction because before the first bomb falls, the bride goes up. And so there'll be, there is a bomb with Vatican's name on it. 
And we see Russia rising up with threatenings even now and talking about, you know, uh, their antagonism towards the West and the West's antagonism towards Russia and all of those things that, that were even in Brother Branham's day. But Brother Branham says, don't fear communism. He says, fear Catholicism. And so we see all of these pieces falling into place. I'm not speaking about end time events here, but specifically, uh, I want to speak about these plagues for a moment just to, to start off this morning because we've heard a lot lately about, I'll say, mental health. We are, we're living in an age that that term is, is used quite regularly. I don't know if Brother Branham ever used that term because I, I don't really look at it as that. But, you know, like Brother Tom said on Sunday, he says, we don't need psychiatrists. We've got the message of the hour. But that doesn't stop the fact that men's hearts are failing for fear. It doesn't stop the fact that we're living in an age of nervous tension. It doesn't stop the fact that people's minds are, are, are being controlled and are being oppressed and their mental health is breaking down. And I'll bring you a couple quotes on it here in just a moment because we have to recognize that we are blessed because we are living like in Goshen, which Brother Brown says is a type of the church in the last days. As the plagues begin to fall, we're, we have this blessed place under the revealed word of the hour. We have this wonderful message that God expressed his love to us, that we can focus in on it. But the commission in these days is to come out of her, my people, that you be not partaker of her plagues. Those plagues are, are in the earth today. Brother Branham talks about plagues. And I want to talk about it because a lot of times when we talk about plagues, we think of cancer. Brother Branham said in 1947, I think it is, yeah, from 1947, he said, you know, there's a plague of cancer going on. He says, but God gives us the answer. And, and, uh, but cancer's just a minor thing, really. Uh, even though it's all over the place and has control of many lives and the devil uses it to destroy lives, but yet it's, to God it's no different than a toothache. And God delivers from cancer just like he delivers from toothaches. And so we, we, we're thankful for that. But plagues we, we often refer to like an Ebola plague or the bubonic plague or the death plague and uh, different things that happened physically. But you know, there's a greater plague that's going on today and that's the plague that is afflicting people's minds. Brother Madam says, in the Pergamian church age, he says, there is an Elijah to whom the word of the Lord came. And when he got through preaching the truth and that group back there that is the forerunner. We heard about the forerunner. The forerunner of the American Jezebel group would not receive the word. God called him off the field and plagued that generation for rejecting the prophet and the message that God had given. We're living in that kind of a day. All right. In God of this evil age, Brother Branham says, he says, the knowledge to make a world, he says, he, I'm sorry, I have to back up here. 
He says, notice it was not likely that God would interpret his word to Cain's evil generation. God would not interpret his word to them. God, the knowledge to make a world so pretty and scientific and sinful, he had to destroy it. Would God do that? Make a world so pretty? Looky here, God making his daughters so pretty would dress them so sexy that his sons would lust after them and would commit adultery. God do a thing like that? He's questioning. He's saying, that's not God. He's saying, this naked, stripped off bunch of Laodiceans worshiping the God of this world through their ethics, notice this now, their ethics and education and shrewdness and prettiness. He says, that's Laodicea. And then he says this, come out of her. The Bible said, be not partaker of her sins and don't receive her plagues. In the message, and knoweth it not, he talks about the corruption of the human body. And he talks about how women are coming into menopause at an earlier age. He says, it used to be around 30 or 35 in my age. In my mother's age, a woman never struck menopause till she was 40 or 45. What is it? It's through science and the food, the hybrids that's perverted the whole human body till we become a bunch of a mass of corruption. Well, if the physical being is corrupted, isn't the brain cell in that physical being? He says, now watch the spirit following it. There'll come a time in the name of the Lord that people will go completely insane. The Bible said so. They'll scream and holler great hideous things in their imaginary mind. The radios and things or television programs are producing it. He says there'll be such things as ants raise up on the earth be as high as 14 trees and a bird will fly across the earth with wings four or five miles across. They're producing that on the movies now. He says, and people seeing them, they'll scream and holler and cry for mercy. Why? Because they're, they're built up in their imagination. They're, 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 they're being assaulted with things that they don't, they can't, they aren't able to tell what's real and what's not real. And Brother Branham says the television and the radio and things... I'll, I'll call things the internet, the movies, the, I think it's called CGI and computer graphics, whatever, and all that kind of stuff that they're, they're making to put before this generation. They think, oh, it's exciting and it attracts the eyes, but really it's to assault the imagination and the memory because Satan knows once you see it, you can't forget it. And then once he's got it into your mind, he'll bring it back to your remembrance. And then take the corruption of the human brain and bring such a thing. What is it? It's the plagues. Brother Brown, I'll say say it the way Brother Brown says. He says, they'll scream and holler and cry for mercy, but it'll be the plague. He says, wait till I preach on those plagues opening up. He wanted to take two or three weeks and preach on the plagues. God didn't let him do that. I wish he had done that. Maybe he'd have delved into things that they looked at back there in 1964, 1965. They would have said, that's impossible. But now we see things happening right before our eyes. Where we see humanity inundated with things that are causing mental breakdowns. Now, let me just say this, that that 
because of the love of money, they're feeding people corrupted and perverted things in their minds that they don't realize are driving the people insane. And so I'll say, get away from it. Run away from it. If you knew the bubonic plague was going through Cloverdale, you'd go somewhere. Amen? You'd run away somewhere to, I'm going to go stay with family in Alberta or I'll go off into the United States somewhere. Uh, let, let's clear out of Cloverdale till the plague passes. But I'll say the plague is moving through television. The plague is moving through internet. The plague is moving through movies. The plague is moving through all those things. And I guess I'm saying it especially for our young people. As we heard recently, it's ten times worse for them than it was for us. The movies and things that they're tempting young people to watch and the action and all of the things that goes on and to try and make it attractive to young minds. They don't re- you young people don't realize the devil is trying to take a hold of your thoughts and pervert them and to drive you insane. And if you let him do it, he'll do it. Run away from it. Flee from those kind of things. When Paul said to Timothy, he says, he didn't say don't play around with youthful lusts. He said flee youthful lusts. Run as hard as you can. You know, social media does not bother me. Probably doesn't bother you either. We're of a different generation. Many of you older folks, you know, uh, I'm looking at a brother turned 50 recently. Those of us that are over 50, you know, those kind of things don't trouble us so much because it's like, ah, who cares about it anyway? But our young people... The devil has attached you. He's made it such a way that's enticing to you and uses it in a way to manipulate you. I want to tell you, if you let it, the plagues will come right through your phone. Are you listening to me? That's the plagues. That's the things that's destroying this age. Those are the things that are driving people insane, but they don't need to drive you insane because God sent a prophet. And he identified these things and he said, this is what will come upon the earth. And this is the channel that it will come through. But you can run away from it. Hallelujah. By the revelation of the word of God. Come out of her, my people. What is she? It's not just a church system anymore. It's all over the world. All of these lusts, the merchants of the world, the inhabitants of the world, the governments of the world. Everybody is into this channel. Don't be in that channel. That's the channel of the plagues. Let's not kid ourselves and let's not bury our heads in the sand. These things are real. I I just feel to say that, you know, actually the reason I'm saying, one of the reasons I'm saying that, I'm just going to end this part of the subject here, but one of the reasons I'm saying that I have talked to in the last few weeks, probably seven, eight, nine different brothers at different times about what's called mental health. Now, why is it something that's on people's minds? Because it's knocking at the door. It's trying to get in, young person. Don't think because you're sitting up in the balcony that you're safe or or this isn't for you. This is for you. The devil's knocking on your door. But you have a message. 
God sent you a message that you might know the love of God, that you might have the peace that passes all understanding, that you might have something this generation will never have. Your generation will never have the peace of God that the Word brings you. But hallelujah, you can have it. I can have it. I can live in it. I can close off the doors of my life. Whether it be my bedroom door, my house door, whatever it might be, or just the door to my telephone. And say, I'm not going to go those places. I want God to set me free from those things. Listen, young people, don't condemn yourself because you've been trapped by the devil. I want you to know God loves you. And that's why he sends his word to you. That you might be free from that kind of bondage. You don't have to be bound in your mind. You don't have to be bound in your intellect. You don't have to have your imagination running wild. All those kind of things. God loves you. He loved you before the foundation of the world. It's okay if we have a young person service tonight. Thank you. Amen. That's what it's all about. It's for you. I know what you're going through. I got teenagers or had them until last year. I got young people going through things, battling things in their mind. And you want to take a hold of them and say, those things don't matter. But it's got to be God reveal it to you. It's got to be God make it real to you. He loves you more than this world will ever love you. He'll take you away from the things that the devil wants to torment your mind with. You don't need to be tormented. Surrender yourself to God. How appropriately we sang that song. Uh, I'm giving my life away. I want to end up on that kind of a thought tonight. I guess I better get moving. What is the remedy? So it's fine to say run away, but what's the remedy? The remedy is what Brother Branham was talking about. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. The remedy is character. In the Laodicean age, Brother Branham says... That is what the church has constantly done through the ages. She has left the word of God and taken her own creeds and dogmas. She has organized it and joined herself to the world. Now, that's the danger of the church. Brother Tom preached on that on Sunday. That's the danger of the church. Don't join yourself to the world. Don't forsake the word of God. Don't take creeds and dogmas and say, well, we're just message believers. We got, we, God sent a prophet and we believe Malachi 4. And we believe the oneness of the Godhead or we, we believe this or we believe that. It's not creeds and dogmas. It's a living reality of a living God amongst his people. And, they, and, and so Brother Branham says she organized her joy and joined herself to the world. And the only way to, she can get out of this dread situation is by obeying the Lord to come back to his word. Then he goes back to Revelation 18. Come out of her, my people. He says there is a price to pay for those garments. And that is the price of separation. Now, I've said what, where the world's going. And I'll say where you're going too if you go that way. But you don't have to go that way. But there is a price. And the price is separation, Brother Branham said. Sanctification and consecration, see, actually makes a way for God to operate in your life. That's how God deals with things. And, you know, Brother Branham, I want to talk about just a moment here. Even to the believer... Now, talk to the believer. 
Sometimes I wonder if we know the difference between the new birth and the anointing. And I, I don't say that critically. Uh, but I, I'm always reminding myself. Once you're born again, you're sealed to the day of your redemption. Your nature has been changed. You love the word. But because you live in an unredeemed flesh, you can do things still being redeemed. I'm not talking about great unclean sinful things, but you can do things that actually grieve the Holy Spirit or cause the anointing to leave you. And I'll say, because you can do things to cause the anointing to come to you. All right? So I'll give you a couple quotes on that. Brother Branham says in... in, uh, God's wrapped gift, he says, I think one of the most pathetic words that Jesus ever said, and by pathetic he doesn't mean abhorrent, he means pathos or pity. He says, he says what he ever, Jesus ever said was when he said, Father, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified. In other words, he had a right. He was a man. He had a right to a home. He had a right to a family. He was a man. He was a man as much a man as you are or I am. As much human in his manhood as we were. He had a right to it, but he was training 12 men that was going to take the gospel to all the world. So he sanctified himself for their sake. He said, I sanctify myself for their sake. So in other words, he did not partake of everything that he had a right to in his flesh because he had a purpose. All right? And so he had, he said, I sanctify myself for their sake, a gift of God keeping himself sanctified. Then Brother Branham says, O gifts of God, you people that claim you've received his spirit, keep yourself sanctified. Keep away from the things of the world. Be sanctified. Why? We have a purpose in this age. We want to be anointed with the word for the hour. Therefore, we sanctify ourselves from the things of the world. And I'm not here tonight to preach legalism. But what I'm trying to tell you is that, that there is anointing that God wants to anoint you with in your life. Because you're each called for a purpose in this generation. You're not just called to be saved. You can be saved, sealed, saved, sanctified, sealed with the Holy Ghost. You're headed to the day of your redemption and not do another thing in your life if you just dilly-dally around doing nothing. But when you're sealed, you're sealed. You cannot be unsealed. But there's more to life than that. Are you with me so far? All right. In the message, he cares, do you care? Brother Branham says, he says, seeing this handsome young man sitting here just in the peak of his life, a leader of young men sitting there, and Satan bound him. He never noticed, but I took my hand to shake hands with his hand and and to see if some disease had plagued him, but there was no sign of vibration. Coming right out of the room from praying and fasting and waiting on the Lord, the anointing of the Holy Spirit was there. I want you to catch what a prophet's telling us. He give us a lesson here. He says, I come out of the room. He says, I was praying, fasting, waiting on the Lord. And he said, the anointing was right there. Are you with me? He says, I kept myself in a certain condition to bring the anointing near. 
He already had the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Ghost, Brother Branham was. He was a prophet of God. He was gifted. But he said, there's certain things that I did that I could be anointed to do certain things. All right. He says, and that's why it led us. And then seeing the shadow of darkness over him, I never said what I was doing, but in less than a couple of minutes, it was all gone. And the coldness of his hands had left, and he was shouting and praising God. Hallelujah. There's a reason ministers wait on the Lord. And that is so that they can come to the pulpit under the anointing of God to be led to say something or do something that God will help somebody. All right? Now let's go a step further and bring it into our homes and say there's a reason that mommies and daddies wait on the Lord. That they might bring the right atmosphere into their home that the young people might be raised up in the right atmosphere that would break the things of the world that would try and be on the young people. Amen? Amen? You know, I love it. I talked to her brother, said my wife listens to tapes, listens to Brother Branham all day long. I love that kind of thing because what it does, it's an atmosphere. All right? It's not a doctrinal, uh, theological, trying to study the message all the time kind of a thing, but it's something that there's an atmosphere that goes with this message. That there might be something. That doesn't mean your children are not going to have problems. It doesn't mean you're not going to have battles. It's not going to mean the devil's not going to try. But when you do what you do to stay under the atmosphere, then that will help to defeat the devil every time. All right? The reason that a believer stays sanctified, and again, I'm not talking about just worldly things. I'm talking about being careful about how you live. Not just partaking of everything that Babylon has to offer. The economics of lust. I'm very careful about what I say because I don't want to bring anybody into condemnation. But you know, there is, it always, I'll just say it my way. Maybe with men, there's always a temptation when the new car models come out. Okay, just me. You know, the 2019 Buicks are out. You also, oh, that's an old man's car, you know. But maybe it's a Honda, or maybe it's a Toyota, or a Lexus, or a, a Cura, or a Mercedes, or, you know, go on down the list. Whatever your brand of car is, and it doesn't really make any difference. They're all the same. But maybe, maybe if I traded my car in for something else, why? Well, something nicer. Something better. Well, is your car broke down? Well, maybe it is, and you need a new car. But maybe it isn't. But my point is that it's the economics that we live in that attract our attention that the entire purpose of the devil is to keep your mind chasing the economics of the world. Maybe as a sister, you're desiring some new furniture. I don't think I'm going to get very far on this. Maybe there's nothing wrong with the old furniture. Maybe there is. Maybe it's time for new furniture. But maybe there's nothing wrong with the old furniture. But maybe you saw something that would be 
a little more suit your fancy, a little more fashionable or a little more stylish or something or, or something or other in the house. And, and the devil wants to attract your attention to that. Why, why is it? It's the, it's the economics of human desire, also known as lust. It's the economics to pull people in a certain direction to keep us on a treadmill. It's just a Wednesday night. We're just family, okay? You know, we're, we're, we're just the devil wants to keep your husband working those extra hours. Maybe he wants to get the wife out to work so she can make a little extra money and, 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 and have a little extra in the home. Maybe they can have a nicer vacation. You know, it used to be we took the kids camping every year and now we got to go to, oh, I don't know, Barbados or something and, uh, you know, off into some exotic location or something, you know, spend, spend the big money and get into debt and all of a sudden... Am I, I, I'm just saying the devil wants to do that with your life. He wants to trap you. And these things are not, you know, it's easy for me to say, you know what, don't drink alcohol. Praise the Lord. Don't smoke cigarettes. And you're all, amen, that's not good for you. But the devil wants to trap you on the treadmill of economics. And he wants to get you to a place in your life that you're always desiring something because he knows if he can keep your mind on work, if he can keep your mind on your bank account, if he can keep your mind on your vehicle, your house, have a better this, have a better that, it won't create the right atmosphere for the anointing of the word. Forgive me if that's a little too strong for you, but we're living in an hour where the devil wants to distract us. I was, I was reading something the other day. It comes to my mind. I said, I'm never going to preach on this unless it comes to my mind while I'm preaching. And here it is. <laughs> I read an article not too long ago about something called Bitcoin. You ever heard of it, Brother Tom? You heard of Bitcoin. I read about it. And it's some kind of imaginary currency created by someone's mind on some kind of algorithm and people were investing in it and it was becoming worth thousands and thousands of dollars. You know the stories, right? I looked at it, I said, insanity. I said, anybody that invests in that is out of their mind. Uh-oh. <laughs> Got quiet. Because there's nothing to it. There's no government behind it. There's no commodity behind it. There's no nothing behind it. It's, it's, it's an algorithm or something. I don't even know if that's right. It's a computer code uh, that somebody says, well, I got one. Will you give me a dollar for it? Well, now I'll give you $2 for it. And I'll give you $5 for it. I'll give you $100. I'll give you $1,000. For what? For nothing. And one day it's worth $10,000. One day it's worth $5,000. Another day it's worth $15,000. Another day it's worth $15. What is that? Craziness. It's insanity. It's the age we're living in. People say, well, I can make money on it, Brother Tim. I don't care if you can make money on it. You're crazy. Uh, all right, I'm gonna, I said it now. It's off my mind. Anointing. You know, there's all those kind of things. If I told you I'd give you $10,000 today, 
If I told you your stocks made $10,000 today, if I told you your boss gave you a $10,000 bonus today or something, you'd all be feeling good. Yeah. But that's just the flesh. Right? I'd rather feel the anointing of God come down upon my life that'll turn a situation around and change everything. Hallelujah. I'd rather feel the peace of God descend upon me when my mind is overwrought and things are happening around the world and you're praying and waiting on God and looking for an answer and searching for things of, of how God might solve a problem to get a message into a country or, or to help a missionary somewhere and, and you're overwrought with it but then you can just sit down and listen to a message and get in the presence of God and it just calms everything right down. Hallelujah. What a blessing that we have in this hour. Brother Branham talked about someone in the prayer line. And he said, now, sister, as I turn to you, he says, knowing that you're a Christian, he says, because as soon as the Holy Spirit, just a few minutes ago, I, I want to ask you something. He said, there was a strange feeling come to you there, just kind of like a sacred feeling. How many want to feel that? He said, isn't that right? He says, even brings tears to your eyes. He says, that's right. He says, that's when the anointing struck me. Hallelujah. The angel of God, you see on the paper that he's here now. And that's what you feel right now. Such a sweet feeling. No one, oh, he says, if you could just only feel this wonderful heavenly atmosphere. It's his presence. That's where I want to be. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. At His right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Lord, just teach me how the anointing works. Because there's times we can get out of the Spirit. we got to get back in the Spirit. I'm not talking about the new birth. You're sealed to the day of your redemption. But as a believer and you're caught up under the pressures of the world, Lord, help me to escape the pressures of the world. Help me to get away from Babylon and get into your presence. Get into that atmosphere where I can feel you and, and I, I, I know that you're there and I can just entrust myself entirely to you. And, and even in the last little while, I, I want to go into it in the, this last portion that I've been, uh, I have time with. Uh, I've been studying on the subject of consecration because I've wanted it personally for me and I thought maybe we'll just bring a few thoughts out of it uh, 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 for ourselves tonight because that's really the subject is for the believer to walk in this anointing, you must consecrate yourself. You must separate yourself from the things of the world. It's not legalism. It's not something of do's and don'ts. But if you want the nearness of the Holy Spirit moving in your life, separate yourself from the things of the world. Get rid of the things that God's dealing with you about. Lay them aside until they mean nothing to you. Stay in the presence of God until you know you're surrendered. And as I've been praying and studying, I realize that, Lord, there's one thing that I desire. Just keep me in the center of perfect will. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be deviating off to this side or deviating off to that side. But let me be right in the middle of it. Center me, Lord. If there's something pulling me this way, take it away. If there's something pulling me that way, take it out of my life. Until, Lord, we're just centered on the revelation of who we are in this day and the presence of God moving in our lives and causing an impact all around us. The atmosphere that Brother Branham talked about in the token message where you create the atmosphere. He says you apply the token. And then he says, with consecration. 
You create an atmosphere, a life that's separated unto God, led by the Holy Spirit, not fulfilling every fleshly desire, even though every fleshly desire is not wrong. There's a reason that preachers will go without eating while they're studying. There's nothing wrong with eating, but they want to focus on God. There's a reason we go without things in our lives. There might be nothing at all wrong with them, but it's because we want to center ourselves on God. We want to be alone with Him. And if there was anything in this hour, you know, actually, as I thought about it today, as I was finishing my studying, I thought, you know, the Holy Spirit has been hitting this subject for the last several weeks. And that we heard it on Sunday and the different preachers is that you've got to come to that place where you know where you are and stay there. Know what your stand is. Know what your place is. Know what your position is. Know what your rights are. Know what you can claim. Know what, your, what, what, what it is that God's dealing with you about. Let everything else fall by the wayside. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm giving my life away. Laying it down on the altar. Hallelujah. That you be not partakers of her place. In the Smyrnian church age, Brother Branham says, He quotes James. He cried out to those who were putting stock in wealthy people. He says, Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect of persons. The poor there were trying to butter up the rich in order to get help rather than trusting God. Don't do it, says James. Don't do it. Money isn't everything. Money isn't the answer. And today it is not the answer either. We have more wealth than we have ever had. And yet less is being accomplished spiritually. It is not with money that God works. He moves by His Spirit. And that moving of the Spirit comes only to a life consecrated to the Word. I'll read that last sentence again. And that moving of the Spirit comes only to a life consecrated to the Word. God called you to be what he called you to be. When I say that, it speaks to every one of us because there's not one of you but what has asked yourself the question, why did God put me here? What is my purpose in life? Maybe some of you have had that answered and some of you, you know, are, are pretty solid on, well, I, I know what God made me, me to be, even though you may not like it. And it might not be pleasing to the natural man. But yet there's a purpose in your life. And it's a spiritual purpose. From this young man here. Any, I don't know if there's any young men here 14 years older. Anybody here 14? Who's 14? You're 14 right over here. Excuse me for saying this. Close your ears for a moment. But you're half a century younger than he is. All right? Not quite. Pretty soon. <laughs> half a century that's a long time and I'm just younger than brother Tom I count him as my elder that's, that's why I always defer to him <laughs> he's my elder but you know think about that, that gap between this man and this man but they're both called of God they both have a purpose 
They both have a place. It's got nothing to do with your age. You are a unique seed of God that God has ordained you to life that only you can fulfill. Nobody else can take your place. Doesn't matter what age you are. Age is just a place of maturity. It's, it's a place marker. Say, well, I'm 14 years old. Well, that just means you have a lot more growing to do than I do. And hopefully, the, the amount of time that I've spent on this earth, I've learned something. And I, I, I've come to, into a certain relationship with God that I understand how He deals with me. Because as children of God, that is what it's all about. God wants you to know how He wants to speak to you. You don't need to know how He speaks to me. You, it, it, it might be nice for you to know. It might be nice for you to know how He speaks to Brother Tom or Brother Ed or, or somebody. But you really need to know how God speaks to you. How He deals with you. So that when God speaks to you, it's crystal clear. You grow up and you're under mom and, and some of you grow up without moms. Some of you grow up without dads and some of you grow up in different situations. But yet in all of that, that's only just a little bit of guidance in life. The most important thing you'll ever learn is how God's speaking to you. And there's nothing else so important as that. And, and that's where God calls us to a consecration that He might anoint what He called us to be. Now, i got 15 minutes to, to wrap this subject up on consecration. Uzziah was a king, and he was a good, godly king. But he wanted to make a sacrifice of incense to the Lord because he thought that would be a good thing to do. And it was for him a terrible mistake. It cost him everything that he was. Because he tried to be something he wasn't. But yet there were priests that were there that were consecrated to that service. They were anointed. They could walk into the holy place. They could offer the incense. They could offer the prayers of the saints. They could uh, uh, deal with the showbread, replacing it. They could uh, make sure the candlestick was burning, all of those kind of things, put the oil in the candlestick, all the things was theirs to do. They were consecrated for that purpose, but yet Uzziah maybe was more intelligent than they were, but yet that was not what he was consecrated for. But God needed a king, and he was consecrated for that purpose, and God anointed him for that purpose. And even as we look at David and how that God used David and the anointing that was upon David and how that he was a prophet and he was a spiritual man. But yet in the midst of all of it, as soon as he fell into sin with Bathsheba, the anointing left him. And he was, he was kind of lost for a place because he was, this sin was in his life unrepented. And when the prophet of God came and exposed the sin, David being a real child of God, he confessed it quickly and says, yes, I've done wrong. And it was then that he wrote the psalm, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Of anything he wanted, it wasn't. He didn't say, Lord, restore my reputation. He didn't say, Lord, lift me up in the sight of the people. No, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. Lord, don't let me go to those dark places that Saul went to. Don't let me get into a situation. What? We would call it mental illness in Saul. 
But really what it was is a demon tormenting him. Lord, don't let me go there. Let me stay in your presence. Let me stand where I ought to stand. Let me be what I ought to be. And even as David came down to the end of his life and he had a desire and it was a good desire because it was the anointing on the hour as the anointing was getting ready to change from David to Solomon. The anointing began to say, God needs a house. I got a house. God doesn't have a house. I need to build God a house. And he asked the prophet, he says, he says uh, I, I feel like build, building a house for God. And the prophet, just as, as he would say in the, in the matter of just every day believing the word, he said, David, God's with you. Do all that's in your heart. And so David's encouraged by that. And the prophet goes home. And a prophet does what a prophet does. He waits on God. He gets into the presence of the Lord and the Lord speaks to him. Go tell David. Go back there and tell him. It's not your place. He says, you've been one that has shed blood. That's been your place. You've been a man of war. That's been your place. You, you, you know, the sword has not departed from your house. That's been your place. All of those things. But he says, you can't build my house because of that. But your son who will come after you, he'll, or I could say it this way, I'll anoint him to build my house. And God anointed Solomon. And so we understand. So God has something that he's anointing you to become. All right. It's important to know that we're anointed by the word. All right. Brother Brown actually preaches a series on consecration. I don't know if you know that. Or not a series. I'm sure, I shouldn't even say it that way. He, he, he's in a, a time in, ni- in the end of 1959 where consecration is very much on his mind. You, if you search consecration in the message, you'll find it this way. It be, seems to start with the message that he preaches new ministry. Right, he preaches that in Jeffersonville. And then he goes to San Jose, California and preaches a couple services. And he deals with it a lot there, which I'll quote from in just a few moments. And then he comes home, and the series he preaches at home is the Holy Ghost series. What is the Holy Ghost? Why did God give you the Holy Ghost? Questions and answers on the Holy Ghost. That series there in Jeffersonville, because he's trying to bring the people to a place of consecration and dedication to the Lord and and the full measure of what God has for their lives. And he talks about it in the message, New Ministry, and he says... Because he begins to, God begins to deal with them on the scripture, if you say to this mountain. Are you still with me tonight? Amen. Amen. He says, something said, if you say to this mountain, be thou plucked up and cast into the sea and shall not doubt. And Brother Ram says, well, now there's that scripture in my mind again. He says, I've got a while here, about an hour before I have to go get the rest of the boys. So I'll just study that scripture. You know, he's actually out in the wilderness and... And like many of you or me that, that is familiar with the Word, sometimes when you get time by yourself, you just begin to study things in the Scripture without having a Bible with you. You just begin to study the, the, a certain thought or a certain channel. Actually, I shouldn't say it, but I probably do more studying not being in my office than I do in my office. Just the way that our mind works. And he says, I'll study that Scripture in my mind again. And he says, I've got a while here, about an hour before I have to go to get the rest of the boys, so I'll just study that Scripture. And I said, now, how could that apply? Here's the only way that, that those, those, those disciples lived on the other side of the tone. So he begins to discuss this. 
And he, he begins to think about, is it in the atonement? Is it not in the atonement? And he says, he says, and something said to me, that's in the atonement. For if a man or a woman is so consecrated and surrendered to God, that God just moves in and uses their voice. There's what you were speaking about, Mike, on Sunday. God just moves in and uses their voice. He says, and it isn't the man speaking, it's God that's in him speaking. I thought, that's right. Something said to me, what do you think? How do those visions on the platform, how do you see those visions? What is it? Do you think it's your own wisdom? Do you think you could predict something that would happen every time to the letter? Do you think it's you speaking? Would you think that sometime when the Holy Spirit gets into the message and you don't know what to say, what is it speaking then? And when it, what is it when a man will speak with a tongue that doesn't know anything about it? And what is it that will interpret the same tongue, neither of them knowing anything about it? Is it the individual or is it the speak, Spirit of the living God? And I said, that's true. I see. It's God that's speaking. I remember he's in the scripture, if you say to this mountain. And then he says, and all the church needs is a step closer to him. A more of a consecrated life to live with him. That's all. He doesn't say they need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't say they need a this, that, or the other. He says, they just need a step closer to God. They just need. They got the Holy Ghost. And as I've preached many times, when you got the Holy Ghost, you got enough power to create worlds, speak worlds into existence, and go and live on them. But it's governed by revelation. And so, leaving that there, what Brother Bram says, all you need is a step closer. And I, as I, I was studying consecration, I just began to say, Lord, just take me a step closer. Amen. Lord, just bring me a step closer. Just draw me nearer to you. Draw me nearer and consecrate my life and, and, and bring me into a, a closer walk. And, and, and so as Brother Branham began to minister on this subject, he began to go and begin to deal with things because he could see the Holy Spirit moving in a certain way. And I want to say tonight not making an emotional appeal, but I want to say tonight, can't you see the way the Holy Spirit's been dealing with us? Take a step closer. Draw a little bit nearer to Him. Get away from the things of the world and dedicate your entire being to Him. Because when you stay centered on there, Nothing else matters. Some brother offends you. Some sister offends you. Something happens. Somebody says something. It doesn't matter. Lord, keep me in the center of your will. Make him the center of your life and make your objective to be the center of his will. If you're a mother, say, Lord, anoint me to be the kind of mother I ought to be. If you're a father, the same thing. Brother to brother, sister to sister. If you're a man, say, Lord, make me a real man. If you're a woman, say, Lord, make me a real woman. Put me in place. Let me live my life in such a way that you can anoint me for service any time of any day. Yet I can consecrate myself. 
And it's not so much church consecration. It's not so much an altar call. It's not so much, you know, moving into a certain atmosphere. And there's atmospheres that we can have in the church. And that it helps us and that brings us. But it's not just important that it be upon the church. It's important that it be in your life individually. That you can say, Lord, bring me a step closer. By this goal that's tried in the fire as musicians come. A character that's paid for by victories, a Christ-like separation to the Word of God. So Brother Branham, in, and I was reading in the message, speak to this mountain in San Jose at 1959. It's just a week after, after he preached at home on the new ministry. And he said, don't you fear church. Don't you fear church of God. I know you got a lot of scruples among you. You got a lot of upsets and downsets and everything else. But still you are the church of the living God. By the grace of God you are. I want to say that to young people. I want to say that to children if you're of the age of accountability. Whatever, whoever you are. To old people. Don't fear. There's no, there's no message of fear in this hour. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We have received the spirit of sonship. And so we realize it's, it's, it's just, we've got ups and downs. Life has ups and downs. He says upsets and downsets. But we're still the church of the living God. We still, our names were written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And he says, no matter what you've done or how you've done, God forgive you of your sins. He wants a consecration. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is here now. That's in the name of the Lord I speak. If anybody don't believe it, speak to God about your sickness and find out. Just see if it isn't the truth. The Lord God is in the midst of His people. Do you believe it? Let us all rise to our feet, He says. We might as well. Let's all rise to our feet as I read this. Why don't you softly play Draw Me Nearer? I'd like to sing that song. He says, This is the hour of divine consecrations if you can believe. The Lord requires a consecration. He cannot break forth upon us until we've been so surrendered to His will, to His power. He cannot break forth until we have our hearts so cleansed from sin and the things of the world. Until the Holy Ghost can ride in upon us and so surround us now as He has me right now. How do I know these things? It's not me. It's Him speaking. I've told the truth about Him. There is breaking forth something new. Watch and see. It's already happening. It'll break forth as certain as I'm standing in this platform. All right, be ready for it to receive the Lord God in great blessings, you church of God. Church of the living God, each one of you. Now let's take this night for a consecration to God. You sick people, forget your sickness. For the God of heaven stands here. Where's he at? All over you. All through you. All in you. Sure he is. Raise your hands. Raise your voices. Consecrate yourself to the Lord. And then he begins to pray. He says, Lord God, I consecrate myself. 
Help me in this new ministry, Lord, that your power, your strength, your mercy will anoint me with the Holy Ghost. And you'll consecrate this church. And these things that I said about these animals that you spoke into existence, Lord God, take your church into your power, into your custody, and fill with the Holy Ghost, O Lord. Forgive the sins of the church. Forgive our differences, Lord. Pour out from on high the baptism of the Holy Ghost freshly anew upon your people. Grant it, Lord. He says, Lord God, hear the prayer of your children consecrating themselves to you. We come believing. We believe you, Lord. With all of our hearts, we believe you. We repent of our sins, Lord. Forgive me of all my mistakes. Forgive my ministering brethren for their mistakes. Forgive the church of their mistakes. Lord God, sanctify our hearts so deeply with love and with power and with consecration. Find favor with us, Lord. Oh, don't you want that this evening? Find favor with us, Lord. Pour out your power. We would not do anything wrong. I believe every man in here would have made the same thing that night when it was given to speak evil of that boy. We would not use your power for evil things. We would use it, Lord, only for your glory to heal your sick children. Can we consecrate ourselves tonight? It's not a big thing. It's a step closer. It's not a hard thing. It's, Lord, if there's anything in my life that's hindering the moving of your spirit, take it away. I've been there recently. Been a lot of time there. Saying, oh God, take away every ill feeling. Take away every bitterness. Take away every wrong thought. Lord, if I got auto against anybody, just take it away, Lord. I don't want it in my life. I just want you, Lord. I just want to be yours and in the center of your perfect will. Let's sing that together in consecration this evening. I am thine, O Lord.
together and close our eyes how many I think we'd all say and there's no sense having an altar call because I think every son of God every daughter of God would say Lord consecrate me tonight or let me draw a step closer or if there's any worldly thing that the devil has used as a tool in my life and has hindered you moving in my life take it away Lord separate me from it consecrate me from the things of the world separate me unto yourself make me indeed a peculiar people a royal priesthood a holy nation oh heavenly father you see these hands that are raised oh God and what can we say Lord you are the great consecrator oh God you are the one that does the sanctification all we can do is offer ourselves up to it oh Lord And knowing, Lord, the things that you are dealing with in our lives. Individually, Lord, touching us one by one as you go through the sanctuary. And you say, but what about this? Or what about that? Lord, we lay it on the altar tonight. Draw us nearer, oh God. We need more of you, Lord. 
We don't want to be caught in the plagues of this hour. We don't want to be caught in that which is befalling upon this nation. But Lord, strengthen us to run away from the things of the world. Lord, anoint our young people, we pray. Lord, that they'll, they'll be so moved by your spirit, oh God. And there'll be such a sacred reverence and fear in your presence that they'll give themselves unreservedly to you and say, oh God, I'm yours, Lord. I don't want to go the way of the world. I don't want to be filled, oh Lord, with, with anxiety and, and with fear and with, with disturbed thoughts and all kinds of things that are inundating this generation. Oh God, come to my soul this evening, Lord. Take complete control, Lord. Purge out the work of this age. Purge out the work of the enemy. Purge out, oh God, the devil and his devices. Purge out, oh God, every evil thing from our lives. Till, Lord, we are just a holy people in your presence. Holy because your presence is there. Make us more like you, Lord. We want to just give you everything that we are. Just lay our lives at your altar this evening, Lord, even as Brother Ryan sang that song just before the ministry of the word. We're giving our lives away. We're laying them down at the altar. No earthly price can be too great. No sacrifice too much to make, O God. Lord, we want to just lay everything down before you. It doesn't take a lot of shouting take a lot of emotion but Lord let there be all sincerity here nothing wrong with emotion nothing wrong with shouting but Father just come in your still small voice and in your very near presence into our hearts and our lives Lord we need you more in this hour than we've ever needed you before consecrate us now give our lives unto you unreservedly in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour.
God bless you. The service is dismissed in the name of the Lord. I think Friday night is at a prayer meeting. Prayer meeting Friday night at 7.30. You just be obedient to the Holy Spirit tonight, whatever the Lord would have you to do. The sanctuary is open for you if you need to spend time with the Lord. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name. Shake hands with one another as you go. God bless you.